What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, the astrology of the one, the never lonely, Miss Kirsten Dunst, the supreme Taurus of our generation. Featuring, and this is a special one, It Girl Theory. I'm so happy they're here. But first, thoughts on... Shirley MacLaine versus Deborah Winger, and of course I have to talk about Kajillionaire. UFOs, the second vaccine, kind of the cosmic shift that's going on generally. You know the drill. Thanks for listening. Okay, to start, I did watch Kajillionaire last night, and uh, it was deeply upsetting. Um, I mean, it was incredible, one of the better movies I've seen in a long time, but I, it was really brutal um beautiful but brutal and like evan rachel wood is that girl obviously um miranda july's like naming techniques like if you read the first bad man the term kubelko bondi it's just like a part of me and the idea that evan rachel wood who's like the westworld glamazon that her character is called old dolio is so mean Okay, Deborah Winger. Well, first of all, Gina Rodriguez is really fucking good, and also Gina Rodriguez is really good in Annihilation. And when is Annihilation gonna become like a thing? Okay, speaking of movies that are better than the book, um, you know, no harm though, thanks to the New York Public Library system. So, um, Gina Rodriguez was great. Deborah Winger is the mother. She's playing a very Holly Hunter in Top of the Lake role, and she has this very, like, mom from My Brilliant Friend sciatica thing that I think is an excellent touch. Of course, it is Taurus season. I would be remiss to not bring up, and I'm so sorry to be, I am as rancid as Andy Cohen, but, like, you know, my roommate and I did watch Terms of Endearment on VHS last year. Shirley MacLaine, who is the kind of cosmic UFO Taurus, you know, she she did accuse Deborah Winger of purposefully farting in her face on the set of Terms of Endearment. This is a longstanding feud. Um, and I, 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 I celebrate that it will never end. Um, I celebrate that Shirley MacLaine is in is 86 and will take this not only to the grave, but into the future lives. Because as we know, Shirley MacLaine, she's going to keep coming back. Um, obviously, like I said in the previous episode... What a Way to Go, starring Shirley MacLaine. If you haven't seen it, I am campaigning for a remake starring Macy Rodman, but you gotta watch it. If only to see Paul Newman. Good God almighty. They really don't make them like that anymore, and I am talking about that Zac Efron picture is so... You know, Max Wittert has some gender theories about Zac Efron that I find fascinating. You know, we can talk about it. Okay. Um, Kajillionaire was great. I did not watch the Oscars because that's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. It's just like, what is it? And also, this is something we all need to talk about. Gay people need to, like, leave Glenn Close alone. She doesn't want you. Um, 
And actually, she doesn't care about you. Like, she, I, I don't think Glenn Close ever asked for her gay fandom. And I think that we've become a pestilence. This constant, like, we're going to get her an award one way or another. It's just, it, it, I think it's really, it's pretty sick. It's pretty misogynist. And to me, it borders, okay, my costume jewelry literally just fell apart in my hand. I, I was going to say, it borders on elder abuse. It's just... It, it let her work. I, I just, it, it's so weird that all eyes on her are, are on her every year at the Oscars. And then when she loses, I, I don't know. It, it's like her life isn't a game. Okay. Let her work. You know, all right. The Emma Stone, um, Cruella movie. I don't know what to tell you about that. I'll, I'll see it in theaters because by the way, I am dying to be in a movie. My, my, you know, my life has always been that I go to the movies at least once a week. I'm trying to I- integrate that into movies once a week, sex once a week. Let's see how that goes. You know, I'm, I'm doing my best here. It's hard to go to the movies now because there are no movies, okay? It's, you know, I almost, during a dissociative episode on Wednesday, I almost went to go see that Sebastian Stan romance uh, film set in Greece. But, you know, thankfully... Some something prevailed. Some dep- actually, I, instead, I had sex rather than see the movie. I did have sex, and you know, so there. I, I'm sure there's a lesson there. Anyways, um, I did. Oh, the the other thing that I want to say about Kajillionaire. It's one of the first good queer movies I've seen in a while because it's about capitalism. You know, Samuel L. Delaney does have that quote that all good fiction has to be about money. And I think that all queer texts that are set in the contemporary moment have to be either entirely about it or not about it at all, which is to say it can either be the current reign of X-Men, which exists in a utopian framework, same with the Grant Morrison Wonder Woman, which are all utopian and about kind of, a, you know, the, a, a faggots and their friends between revolutions kind of standpoint. Or Kajillionaire, which deals with the idea of formative relationships outside of the, um, outside of the, the framework of, of being raised in late capitalism. I think when you watch you know, a, a free-from show with gay characters is great. And I obviously love the Josh Thomas show. I think they should give that actress uh, an Oscar already. The, the issue is, like, I don't know if I want to watch a show where, like, with these kind of sleek, gorgeous queer characters. Okay, does that make sense? I just, the Gina Rodriguez, Evan Rachel Wood dynamic blooms in this kind of um, rats unleashed from the cage um, hellscape. And it just makes sense. I don't know if this is making sense to you, but like you can't just insert gay people into an already um, stratified capitalist narrative and then just like expect it to work. You need to reconcile our place in it. I have enjoyed the Falcon and Winter Soldier show much more than I enjoyed WandaVision, which I thought got messier and messier as it went. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's like very good, straightforward action. And um, 
they did good. And and by the way, the way they ended it, very good. Um, and the costume looks great. And, you know, um, Anthony Mackie looks great. Okay. Um, I do want to say that the second vaccine has been one of the single uh, most devastating events of 2021. Um, if you're like me and you had COVID, um, this is basically uh, a willful injection of past trauma put back into your body. If you haven't had COVID, this is a very Jewish um, nightmare in which you can have all of your fears uh, uh, put into you and you get to go through kind of a uh, uh, sped up exposure therapy. Uh, It's hell. Uh, I've been sick for days. I'm going through a total inner child meltdown, which we are definitely dealing with in recovery. Don't you worry. Um, I think, honestly, like, the George Floyd verdict on Tuesday was such a a psychic shock. Um, And, like, of course, it was so overdue and there's a lot of closure and it's also, like, a new beginning because we can move forward, but... It's a year's worth of just absolute agony. And I think, like, if you're like me and you're always dissociated, I don't think you realized how bad it was last summer until... I I can speak for myself. I didn't realize how bad it was last summer until, like, going back a little bit and going through this moment again and and having that... Having COVID put into me again. (laughs) I know I sound like an anti-vaxxer. I'm quite grateful to be vaccinated, but, like... You know, there was me at 6 a.m. with a fever watching Superman, the animated series. You know, it's not a great mental state. Um, It's just been very... I know this is the final rung before we can go into Jupiter and Pisces and we can just feel like actual freedom, but uh, it's just brutal. So, uh, you know, here's to this being kind of the end of one cycle thank god i just watched secretary with with maggie gyllenhaal oh my god speaking of it girl like and by the way you know let's talk about mona lisa smile in which she and kirsten dunst destroy they they steal that movie from julia roberts but Maggie just is that girl. And that movie, first of all, the idea that there was a time when James Spader was sexy, like, okay, this is aging me. You know, this is this is me watching Boston Legal with my mother in ninth grade. But um, she just, like, fucking slams the landing. She just sticks it in. Anyways, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. Um Oh man, I watched the New Mutants, which we don't even need to get into it. Speak, listen, I, I, I was grateful that 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 had a, a queer romance in it, so I, I don't want to sound ungrateful. And by the way, I thought that um, Anya, Miss Taylor Joy, who was going off to film uh, Furiosa with Yaya Abdul Mateen, my my husband, um, Anya was a great magic. Okay, I'm getting a magic tattoo soon. We're in the negotiation stages of what that's going to look like. Magic, as you know, is my my number one. She was great. The movie was marginal. 
I'm grateful that the movie dealt with Magic's history of sexual abuse. Like, it shocked me that that was so outright, but it was, the movie was so forgettable that I'm almost grateful because it wasn't a total disaster. It was a disaster, but no one noticed, which means that if they want to bring those characters back on screen, they could do that next year. No one would give a shit, which is good. Unlike Dark Phoenix, which they have just absolutely burned to the ground. Of course, she will rise again. Um, you know, the last thing I want to say is like, the UFOs are here. Um, we have now just, I love the government is just kind of like not bothering. Um, to deny that uh when jupiter moves into pisces this summer it's going to be full aliens in america so i'm very excited um you know i'm more of an interdimensional but that's fine and um this is a really special episode i love it girl theory uh, if you haven't subscribed i highly recommend it and thank you for listening um i hope you enjoy Mwah. the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand this is uh, an extra special edition. I am with the hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, It Girl Theory, um, Caitlin Gleason and Martha Fernley. Thank you both for this moment. Um, Hi, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> thank you so much. We're so good. So, how are you? I am great. And like, I, I want to talk about It Girl Theory generally, and how Kirsten Dunst is going to fit into that. But what I've loved about listening to It Girl Theory is I do feel like you two are, as the podcast is going, you two are discovering what an It Girl is. And I like that it's an ongoing discourse and I like that the rules aren't fully set. So for me, it's exciting to be able to discuss another one and like add her into this kind of pantheon and see how this this plays into a larger mosaic. And I guess I'm just curious, as the podcast has been going, how has this process of discovery been for the two of you? How has it well, been? Well, Martha's going? a nightmare to work with. <laughs> <laughs> like even since you no, started with great. your idea about you know, what kind of girls you were going to cover, et cetera, till mm. now, yeah. how has that evolved or changed? I'm curious. So we start, so it's interesting. We actually haven't talked about this. Maybe, no, this is nice. The yeah. podcast fully started. I texted Martha and was like, we need to do a podcast about Caroline Calloway. Like, <laughs> just her. And then we realized, okay, wait a minute. That might not, um, we might not have like hours I think- upon hours of content. <laughs> we might need to broaden. I mean, I think Caitlin's original idea was like, uh, what's that podcast like where finding Richard Simmons but about Caroline Calloway (laughs) yeah like where is Richard Simmons where is Caroline Calloway where is Caroline Calloway she does a pretty good job of letting us know where she is herself pretty well Um, so that actually kind of was about so then we were like I don't even really know it kind of just been a living document as we go we I think we've just become much less stringent i think mm-hmm. we started out like we sat we literally went to patty's and like 
Not we shout shout out to you know our valley heads um <laughs> but we sat down and we like came up with this list like on the fly mm-hmm. of like what makes an it girl we did it very quickly and then i think yeah. since then like the first couple of episodes were pretty strict and like we kind of stuck to that list and we're trying to sort of fit people into these rules we'd made up and now i think we're kind of we're just sort of enjoying discovering people in a new way, you know, yeah, or kind of just, it's like the enjoying friends you the make process. along the way. Yeah, is exactly. what's important. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've expanded it and we've also like eliminated some rules. Like it's been huge. It's mm. been, we've been like eliminating <laughs> rules and getting new rules. And then it's, I think what we hit upon that we agree on and that other people can kind of latch onto that makes sense is like, this type of celebrity or historical figure or whatever who's just been so like misunderstood or maligned by uh the the mainstream media or whatever and you know justice for them i kind of think is what is what the Mm -hmm. point is right and like how for me i think it's gotten it's become something bigger of like looking at the ways in which we project shit onto celebrities mm. and cultural figures and how fucked up that is. And it, it's kind of about our relationship to the idea of celebrity and fame. And it, it's really, uh, it's kind of opened up a whole new world for it's us. It's pretty cathartic, honestly. It's cathartic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good route. Like there's, I think as I've listened to it, I've discovered how many narratives are just like total gaslighting and (laughs) like all these ideas about like these like whatever happened to her i guess her career really fell off it's like well (laughs) no like there's actually like exactly and there's like a kaleidoscope of um like circumstances in this like totally rigged uh media ecosystem and like that's like with the mia with azalea banks um Mm. with a few of them i've been like oh there's so many more players here yeah. than I ever imagined. Yeah. Um, also, it's cool. I I've always been more interested in the like we grew up in LA. Whatever, it's mm-hmm. kind of we're surrounded by the culture of fame and celebrity. And I've always been more interested in like what I call the um, like dry cleaner celebrities because their like headshots <laughs> are at the dry cleaners mm-hmm. and they're like mm-hmm. older and like they're. I think if there's something much more interesting to look at in in terms of like a celebrity that maybe hasn't worked in a long time or is aging mm-hmm. or has been maligned by the media or something they have a much more complicated relationship to their own celebrity than like Jennifer Lawrence does like she's doing fine you know it's like yeah. i don't really want to talk about those people i want to talk about the people where it's more i guess there's just a there's more tension in their relationship to fame yeah I agree. Um, I also think it's been fun. I think I've always had fun like looking at celebrities as kind of mythic characters, yes. which is why I've enjoyed like occasionally looking at charts for them mm-hmm. or sort of looking at astrology, yes. like, yeah, considering astrology as part of it, because I do think uh, in this day and age, I feel like we uh, celebrities are little gods that we like project right. all of our stuff onto or put in place um like use in place of actual uh gods gods. so it's interesting to talk Mm -hmm. about kirsten dunce in that framework because i was born in 1990 so she as i was coming into like my own 
uh, prepubescent queer cinematic imagination, she was <laughs> ubiquitous, right? So yeah. that era, especially of 1999 through like, let's say 2004, she was everywhere. Yeah. And I think that's when she was an it girl. And now, I mean, I want to talk about the whole legacy because I think she battled against, she, she's an unusual one, which we're going to get into with her chart. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot in her chart. That's this battle for control and a battle for yes. freedom and like her own willpower. And yes. I think that's, what's made it hard for her. Well, no, that's maybe what saved her, but that's kind of what's made her in it girl is that she's always yes. kind of going against the system. And because she isn't able to, because she's unwilling or unable to like play the game, I think that's the other thing that's taken her out of the spotlight in a lot of ways. So there's like a lot that's there. Interesting. Um, I think, yeah, I love that you brought that up. I was looking at her chart and I was like, what the fuck happened <laughs> to this girl in her childhood? Oh. This was. How I felt, at least, I was looking at it and I was like, this has, um, this simply has power struggle written all over it. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> let's lay everything. <laughs> we're going to lay out all the kind of basics and then I yeah. want to jump right back into that. So, yes, please. I, uh, last week's episode was Barbara Streisand, who is a oh uh, Taurus Sun and a Leo Moon. So, this time oh, we have yet another Taurus Sun, wow. Leo Moon, except uh, Miss Kiki is a Taurus Sun, Leo Moon, Leo Rising. rising. So, yes. we have a double Leo. Um, and to lay this out, she has a Jupiter and Scorpio. So, just off the bat, we want to just lay out um, in astrology, there's three different kinds of signs. There's cardinal, fixed, and mutable. So if you think of cardinal, which is Aries, Capricorn, uh, Libra, and Cancer, they're kind of the initiators. They're starting the season. Um, the fixed sign is what comes next. So that's Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And those are, the they're not real. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, the hotties. Just they're they're the hotties. They're like, it, oh oh. So I, I'm sorry. Say that one that one again. I want to get. Clear. I'm a Leo. Martha's an Aquarius. Okay, and so I'm a Taurus. So So you can kind of uh, confirm how I'm feeling, but it's like no one's really gonna tell us what to do. We kind of <laughs> are the vibe, and like you have to come to us, so right? <laughs> yeah. Vibe or you don't get the vibe, and if you don't get the vibe, I honestly feel sorry for you. <laughs> and that's how I feel the fixed sign. That's the fixed sign kind of mantra, maybe. Yeah, it's it's very sort of you come to me, you come energy. To me. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, you have the mutable signs, which is Gemini, Pisces, Virgo, and Sag. She does have placements in those signs, which we'll get into, but those mutable signs, they're mutable. They're where is the party? I'll go to it. I'll kind Here's of change my vibe for it. But when you look at someone who has a lot of fixed placements, as as Kiki does, and because she has fixed placements in the um, first, fourth, seventh, and tenth houses, which are the angular houses, which are the kind of defining houses, first house of intrinsic selfhood, fourth house of home and roots, seventh house of intimate partnership, 10th house of career. Mm. There is just this sense of being um, rooted and uh, kind of like having your set path. And it's very strong, but it can make it very difficult, I think, for someone 
in an industry like Hollywood, especially where you are expected to kind of be mutable, first of all. Um, but also, I mean, I'd love to hear what you're saying about the childhood power struggles because I didn't even catch that. Oh, oh, I think. Okay, so what I did when I looked at her chart is something I generally don't do because I think it's irresponsible. But I just did a lot of like, I really was like, okay, this is not someone I know. This is not someone whose chart I'm going to like try and talk to them about. So I'm just going to like swing for the fences. I'm going to make a lot of like crazy bold statements well about done. her placements. People. Great. I'm glad that this is the zone we're in. Um, and I was looking for me the thing that really caught my eye was that she was born in the last i think two years after the last like saturn pluto jupiter conjunction which was in eight, 1980 right wow so that was Amazing. the last pandemic we had and that was the last conjunction that we had in an air sign like that like we just um, mm. that was the last time jupiter and saturn were in an air sign which we just had um but they were with pluto so that was that was the beginning of the AIDS crisis and the AIDS oh, epidemic. Of course. And I just was like thinking about how interesting it is that birth charts always end up having this like historical imprint on them, mm. even if you're you weren't born at a very historically significant time, like it is a snapshot of the time in which you were born. Mm. And I was just looking at that third house, which for me, I had the third house in Libra. So yes, I yes, that I, I'm still there with you. Yes. Cool. Yes, I see that. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, Mama Mia, Saturn and Pluto in the third house of like early childhood mm. to me feels like very serious childhood feels like Pluto, there's like power dynamics, like Saturn, it's very serious. It's in Libra, which to me is not really where either of those planets like to be very much. That's like, to me, that's like uneven scales. That's like relating to people in a very heavy way. Um, so I was just very grabbed by that immediately. And and what's interesting, just to I, I, that just kind of rocked my world. I hadn't even considered that. You know, <laughs> I think about the Pluto in Libra and Saturn mm. in Libra generation because that's definitive Gen X. Oh, that yeah. is like oh, that's Gen X. that is like oh, yeah. you know Shirley Manson, Winona Ryder, like yeah. Gen X. <laughs> you know that generation has that edge. The teen girls mm -hmm. of the '90s had yeah. that edge, which is so true. Reality. We don't care about our parents happy oh, marriages nice. we don't care about this idea about like beauty oh God, and so like true. you know we're here to like upend these like boring uh boomer norms mm -hmm. uh that our parents are so attached to and i think she does have that edge however she like barbara streisand has that leo moon and that leo moon mm -hmm. is squaring her taurus sun so I, when i see the leo moon i'm like okay like <laughs> mommy mommy had you mommy. like in this very shirley temple like mommy had you like uh going to hollywood to like earn money for the family mm -hmm. so there's this idea that she's able to be the smiling beautiful blonde who does yes. very well on film but there is that that childhood with the pluto saturn and libra of that dark edge of that subversion and and all of those kind of aspects and i think she's able because especially she has that that nice venus and pisces i think she's able to translate it in a way that it 
it's not as outright as someone like Winona Ryder. It's a little bit more mm-hmm. covert, mm-hmm. Um, which is also to me a lot of that 12th house Leo, which is like, you think I'm giving you one kind of show, but I'm actually giving you another, you know? Yeah. Hello. Caitlin has a 12th house. I have a 12th uh, house son in Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> it's, no, I mean, it's incredible it's you're doing incredible. this podcast with, with that. Oh, well, she also has a bunch of Mercury rule stuff in. going on. That's amazing. And so it's like, oh, I don't know. I assumed. No, 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 no. I know that. I mean, what do you mean it's incredible that I'm doing this podcast? Kind of perfect. Oh, I just so oh, 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 associate the 12th house with um, the like the research labo- laboratory and also the 12th house is this like repo- repository of synthesis of wisdom. Mm. So oh. there's this idea of like a 12th house Leo where it's like your you're getting to be a star through this podcast, but it comes through this very, um, it's not this kind of outright, like, look at me, look at me. It's like, oh, I actually yeah. know shit. If you're in the know, you'll you'll find me. And, yes. and yes. so true. <laughs> well, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I love that. Okay, beautiful. I thought, I thought a 12th house son was like, ooh, like hard. To I think 12th house placements are can be tough but i don't know i feel great <laughs> but I you feel fine. great I feel fine. Maybe david bowie is a 12th house son Aaliyah yeah. was a 12th house son you know uh, i think they make for very good like creative directors and like big picture thinkers um Love that. yeah but kiki has her her moon in the 12th yeah. house so no. that that moon to me in the 12th house there is it is a house of trauma so so yes to be clear there is to me that that 12th house moon is also speaking to some aspect with her that is she has a taurus son at her career peak i think she's like we just said the discernment is there and the consistency is there and she really does i think know how to secure the bag and that Saturn is in that third house. She's got Mars and Libra in her second house of earning and, and personal resources. I think she really does know how to secure the bag. I think that Leo moon in the 12th house though, especially cause that moon rules her 11th house of kind of like her network, mm. her real tribe, oh, cause it's her moon ruling cancer. I think her Leo moon is the side of her that's like, Actually, you, the people of America, don't really see me, but mm. um, Lars von Trier sees me and Sophia Kopp. Yes. Like, there's this aspect of her that's like, I need to be, you know, she's a Venus in Pisces. Um, and Venus in Pisces, it, it's not just Venus in Pisces, like Barbara Streisand and Nora Ephron and Michelle oh, wow. Pfeiffer, but oh, wow. it's a Venus in Pisces in the eighth house. The eighth house oh, is the house of inheritance. And there is this Venus in the eighth house of like, she is a beneficiary she needs patrons and i do get this sense where she's like i will wait for the right collaborators to choose me but i am not gonna do the nicole kidman thing where i'm in every goddamn movie and i'm like (laughs) working the oscars circuit like you need to see me and select me but i'm curious how that feels to you in her career yeah i think i was watching an interview she did with stephen colbert like in 2019 and I think I was really focusing on this like third house Pluto thing. And then also this, I really couldn't let go of this 
Pisces, Venus in the eighth house. I thought it was so crazy. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I was watching this interview. <laughs> I was watching this interview and I was like, oh my God, she really cannot do small talk. She's like yeah. pretty awkward. She like makes, she tries, to, she tries to like riff with the host and it doesn't quite go well and then she gets really serious about her projects in a way that I think not a lot of celebrities get serious on a Mm -hmm. talk show Mm -hmm. and it was just so charming to watch I was like she's really she really feels it feels like she's incapable of doing the Nicole Kidman thing as you were saying like swanning about she's more film festival like she's, she's more she's house. more like uh, yeah I'm I'm on a panel at a film festival I'm gonna get direct <laughs> yeah. about these things than Colbert you know and that I think plays into her it girl dumb as well yeah sense of mystery she's able to keep a sense of mystery and distance from people um, and I think that that is also a huge part. We talk about it girls not being desperate. <laughs> like you can't <laughs> sense any kind of desperation. And I love what you said about the Venus in the eighth house of mm. like waiting for waiting for people to come to you. And, and people like, will come to you. With people will. And yeah. And having that confidence of like, no, I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to be over here with Lars von Trier and you guys will catch on. And it's there's no um, kind of. Jamila Jamil sense of desperation you know <laughs> that's what we all hope for that's is none we, of that we're, we're always hoping for not that's kind of our criteria we judge against that criteria. Against it. Um, you know she, she's a double Leo and it's like yeah. I, I think a lot of I was talking about this with Barbara Streisand in the last episode but like Leo people think of Leo as desperate for attention but actually Leos are like no, I just know you're already obsessed with me. Yes. And absolutely. Exactly right. Her son in Taurus, <laughs> I mean, this is making me think a lot of Grace Jones. This kind it's this mm-hmm. kind of a Taurus, which is just like, I cannot talk to like I don't yeah. I, she can't <laughs> like what is she gonna say to Andy Cohen, first of all? What does she have so to true. say? She can chat with Andy Cohen. Exactly. And there's this aspect too How with her, which her. is she yeah. has Mercury, her communication, her self-expression in her 10th house of career. Great. But her Mercury is in an opposition with Uranus. Uranus is this planet mm, of, of freedom and of kind of like subversion and of like fucking shit up. That Uranus is in Sagittarius, which is like talk about the sign of like not making good conversation, taking things too far, pushing things over. And it's in her fourth <laughs> house. It's really in her roots. So there's this aspect of her that's just like, I cannot play this game. Like, yeah, I, 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 she can secure the bag, but I think especially in, like we said, we, she has all those planets in her third house, which I think is so connected with self-expression and especially that Mars in Libra, mm-hmm. Mars in Libra to me, Whoopi Goldberg has that. And I think of that as like apoplexy, which is like, <laughs> I can do this. Like I can, I can collaborate, but I am going to like explode. Yeah. <laughs> um, which makes yes. me think so much about a lot of her roles like yes in bring it on she'll go from like a zero to a 100 and same with drop dead gorgeous you know when that scene <laughs> yes. in bring it on where she goes up to eliza dushku and she's like that's it get out of the car i'm gonna kick your ass and it's yeah. like whoa oh, oh, whoa yeah um i love that and i love also the connection to grace jones and this it just makes me think of like a tentative girl theory which is that like mm. they feel it kind of lends itself and I think the Taurus placements 
and the similarity to Grace Jones is what made me think of this is like it lends itself to this otherworldliness where mm-hmm. it's like yeah you can't schmooze with Andy Cohen because you're like a, a creature from another be like you're you're, <laughs> you're always from another realm. like you're being from another realm like I can't just sit uh and actually yeah. Stephen Phillips Horse said this on our podcast which is like <laughs> I should not have access to an it girl. Like an it girl should not be yes. next to me at a photo shoot, like chatting with me. It's like, there should be some level of unattainability or like distance. And I think that it does play into this feeling of otherworldliness or like that they're kind of an alien. Well, can I also just to mm. hop on the alien aspect, like you're talking about, there's this, there's this inaccessibility and this like seriousness that she has and then she has Pisces, Venus in the eighth house. Mm. I think definitely being affected by Neptune somehow. Neptune's- T-square. Oh yeah, wowie. With, with Mars and Neptune, which, which we can get into, but, but oh, continue. Oh, funny. I just was looking at that and I was like, oh, that feels like such a little bridge, like that Venus and Pisces. I'm like, that's where she gets to sort of like express herself is in the like weird eighth house world, which to me is very melancholia. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think it's I, I death in the end of the world, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of the eighth house confuses me a lot because I think I mix it up with the 12th house because mm-hmm. I think they're both the spooky houses to me. Yeah. Um, but the, the eighth, eighth house to me is the key some. to her whole thing, actually, because yes. the eighth house mm-hmm. on a fundamental level to me, the eighth house represents metamorphosis oh, and something being something has to transform yes. when we think about the eighth house. So She's such a chameleon. she has her Venus in Pisces, which is the cinematic feminine. So Mm. we know that as a given, you know, Venus is so um, receptive and not active. And I kind of see her Venus in Pisces. I don't want to say as a curse, but as this thing that comes to her (laughs) naturally, which is like, she can be Mary Jane. She can be the girl next door. Like she can fit the cinematic imagination, but that Venus is in this dialogue. It's in a T-square with this Mars, Mm. her Mars and Libra in that second house of personal value and self-worth. So there's that aspect. And it all, it all makes a a T-square to her Neptune in the fifth house of kind of creativity. Neptune is that planet of the imagination and dreams. And the fifth house to me, I think a lot about um, your personal creativity, your personal Mm. stamp. And by Neptune, we have this Lilith and it's in Sagittarius. And I just get this this thing with her that I think it's almost incidental that she does so well in a movie like Spider-Man. And I get a sense, Mm. which by the way, I celebrate Spider-Man, but but I I get a sense, it's major, but I get a sense that... (laughs) Something has to be transformed in terms of this role she can play and the way she fits this ideal and how it affects her own sense of autonomy, her own sense of, wait, I want to put my personal stamp in this. I want to be seen. I want to have a voice. Like what you were saying about that childhood with the third house is so speaking to me because when I see Saturn and Libra, it's so much about this order in this system Mm. and i see this kind of sadness about like well i'm in hollywood and i'm kind of trapped here and i get this Mm. sense of like something about the autonomy to 
we know she chooses her roles, but the autonomy to feel like the roles are her own and like she isn't under someone else's control. I don't know. I'm curious if any of that's coming up for you. Yeah, I'm, um, I don't, I think it's um, something I was thinking about too is the fact, I think I am a little surprised that she's only really tried to like direct her own thing one time. One time, yeah. And it was during, I think it was during like a fifth house perfection year, because that's 28, right? So it was like she entered the fifth house and she was like, here's my Neptune. Here we go. Like here, I'm going to, I'm going to birth something. Um, But that was, that was it. She did like one short film. And I, but I guess I do see that she did a short film called Bastard, which I never saw. I didn't see that. Well, it was, it was during her Saturn return. And also, by the way, she has her Lilith in the fifth house and her fifth house is co-ruled by Jupiter and Scorpio. Mm. So there's a lot of grief Mm -hmm. there, which is basically like, she's going to step out and then she's going to suffer for it. She's like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think goes back to this idea with that Leo moon in the 12th house and that Venus in Pisces of like, okay, you know what? Where's Sophia? And like, you need to take care of me. You know, that's so funny. That is true. She has that's something you were talking about, like the mom energy being in the 12th house moon. Mm. But I feel like I was really clocking the mom stuff with that Jupiter, because for me, that's the fourth house. I I did whole sign. Yes. And I was like, Jupiter and Scorpio, mama mia, that's so hard. That's like your benefactor is that to me is like scary benefactor. (laughs) Scary. That's in a way. Right. Like I was like, that's like an eyes wide shut dinner party. That's not like a Gatsby dinner party type mm. of deal. So and it's it makes opposing sense. her career son too. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So for me, I was like, oh, is that some kind of benefactor with a, with a catch? And I don't mm. know what her deal was with her mom, but reading about that, I was like, oh my God, being forced into, or not forced, but being heavily encouraged into acting at a young age. Oh, and like your first kiss is with Brad Pitt in Interview with a Vampire when you're also like the fact that it was tiny. a vampire movie. Yeah. <laughs> in a vampire. It's a little on the nose, honestly. Honestly, yeah. it shocks me how often astrology is incredibly literal. What about, like, I know far less than both of you, but what if I'm interested in Chiron and mm. what about like her Chiron being conjunct if you are doing whole sun that's it no but like conjunct her Mercury conjunct her Mercury and her sun so right in Taurus it is interesting <laughs> the wounds. what does that mean the wounds to me her Taurus sun is in a square with that Leo moon and that Mercury is opposing that Uranus. And there is this fundamental, and we've talked about all these planets in her third house. And there, to me, there's this fundamental thing of like, I know what's right. And I am making my own choices. I watched this interview with her that that killed me where she was mm. like, you know, when I did Drop Dead Gorgeous, they panned it. Now everyone's <laughs> saying it's amazing. When I did Marie Antoinette, they panned it. Now yep. everyone's saying it's amazing. And to me, there is this aspect where she's like, I'm an actual artist here. Mm -hmm. And like everything I choose, including fucking dick, which is iconic, iconic, including drop dead gorgeous is like really like she's giving herself fully and she's really discerning. And I think she, 
she gets punished for it. She gets overlooked for it. And I think there's this sense of like her authenticity and her value and her autonomy getting, getting um, not rewarded. And yeah. I think that is something we say about it girls as well, is that it's very likely that what they bring is only going to be appreciated later because yes. they cannot help but be sort of they're a little psychic they're a little psychic they are dispatching from the future or from some other reality that we yes. haven't quite reached mm -hmm. and they're going to be confusing at first mm -hmm. you're yes. not going to get it you're going to know what to do with them perhaps they're going to laugh at it but you would be wrong <laughs> and you'll find out you're and wrong you'll find that out years, yeah 10 years later <laughs> I mean, I want to, what I'm curious to hear about from both of you is like, we live in an age now where the Oscar system has been fully rigged so that blonde 20 something ingenues win an Oscar every single year. Right. And That's it's true. interesting to talk about her because she is that, but she never was that. Like she yeah. did not go the route of Emma Stone or um alicia vikander or brie larson <laughs> or uh jennifer lawrence etc 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 um she i don't know she, she just didn't go that route and i think that's kind of what keeps her like an eternal it girl but but uh, you know i'm just curious <laughs> about about that aspect yeah i wonder i mean i think it does have something to do with the fact that it she does seem helpless but to um be drawn to tougher projects it seems like or things that are interesting to her she doesn't seem to have the part of her brain that's like oh i really should do this for my image like mm -hmm. i should really uh you know cultivate my image in this certain way and that's going to help me get this oscar help me achieve this milestone she seems yeah. very which i think is very it girl it seems to be coming from her gut where she just, as you were saying before, she chooses things because she knows that they're the yeah. right thing to do. Yeah. And I think it girls were always saying it girls cannot control their press. They can't control how they're seen. They're not in control of their media narrative and they don't, yeah, they can't, they can't like, um, what's the word? Like mediate their own personality or their own yeah. like, mm. inner flame or what like they can't <laughs> they turn can't that off <laughs> they can't change that for other people for uh, this would be good for my career so i'm just gonna compromise my beliefs Ugh. you know they won't they can't do that it's almost like there's something that's like intersecting yeah but there, yeah, there's yeah. an irony to that statement which is she's they're not in control of their press but she they're also not controlled by you know, yeah, someone true. like her mm -hmm. or a lot of the other it girls can't be controlled by the industry in a lot of ways. Like mm -hmm. she <laughs> is ne probably never going to do like perfume ads. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it, it's it's really interesting. Funny. Like she she's you're right. She's not in control of how she's seen, which is also like her way of securing her freedom. I mean, there's just this real yeah. battle for freedom. I think like I think generally, yeah, it, it's really. And, and that Saturn, uh, that Saturn and Pluto, you're right. There's a lot of grief there. I'm interested. I'm kind of looking to her chart to see where her 
because it does feel like there's an element of a saving grace with her because I think a lot of it girls that we talk about are sort of chaotically incapable of controlling their image <laughs> where they're just like I have no idea like right. there's no the sense Nicole the Caroline Calloway <laughs> right the Caroline Calloway is the Anna Nicole and then but she does seem to have a saving grace and I'm like yeah. for me the moon is in the first house when I looked at her chart well, the moon is sextiling Saturn. So there is a huge amount of common sense there. So yes, that's yes, Saturn in Libra, which is so crushing. It is it is still working with that Leo moon. So that Leo moon is like able to to navigate through the trauma. Also, and and yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, go off, please. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I think that being fixed, having like a fixed sun moon rising is what a saving grace like i'm thinking about caroline calloway who is a triple sag right and anna and nicole I, is a hard. double libra yeah and yeah, a libra yeah. is cardinal but she's still like you know social climbing without like, without today. any idea yeah. of like how to stop yeah it's never yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like i'll take oh, every opportunity i can high. and a sag is like sag and taurus uh is truly the uncanny because Taurus is only about discernment. Sag, there's no discernment. Um, oh, interesting. You know, so that's like, that's exactly the, the difference. Yeah, it's, um, but I was going to say about the moon, because it was in the first house for me. And I was like, that feels like a bit of a chameleon ability too. Uh, like you think about the moon being like the, the light reflector. And also like the thing that uh, dictates the body and it's very changeable and it's the fastest moving planet and it for me it was in the house of the body and I was like there's mm. something there that's like you'd I feel like you'd think of a moon in the first house as being someone being very open and being very emotional but to me I think moon in the first house people that I know are pretty are pretty good at immediately deflecting especially and like Leo back. yeah Leo <laughs> because Leo is um, you are my fan. You are not my friend. The people who are my friends, it's a very small circle. So especially if it's a Leo yeah. moon in that first house, it's like, you are not getting in, you know? <laughs> Good luck. Wow. It's interesting talking about she and Michelle Pfeiffer are both Taurus with the Venus in Pisces. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is a Gemini rising, sexy. but there's so this, sexy. there that, that sexiness and that aspect, I think both of the, it's a similar career trajectory because they're both uh. superstars. They're both major, but neither of them, I don't think either of them will ever secure that Oscar because I don't think they'll ever really give, they'll never sacrifice themselves or their privacy or or whatever it's all about what's on screen but outside of that they're like this is it i'm not yeah. giving you any more than this mm -hmm. and that's why we respect them so much i just yeah that's true i, I really also can't let go of how sexy that combo is i'm like it's so sexy the taurus sun with a venus pisces yeah it's really hot oh, oh and God. nora efron too sorry <laughs> really like hot. nora boom, efron boom, boom, boom. also <laughs> <laughs> very hot okay um <laughs> so i want to talk about the the phases which is to say mm. we have i think the jumping off point which is 
you know, the queen of the millennium, Dick, Virgin Suicides. She filmed a Savage Garden video. Bring it on, Drop Dead Gorgeous. She yeah. turned down Mina Suvari's role in American Beauty American because she Beauty. didn't want to do nudity or kiss Kevin Spacey. Which is, again, like, <laughs> that's a fucking... Do we? Fixed. Like, neither do I, bitch. No, I can't she blame knew. I she can't knew. Blame yeah, Psychic. and she's just like, you're not going to talk me into this. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is the fixed sign in Hollywood of like, no um well and true. by the way you know look what happened i mean my god look what happened what did happen right. to mina Savari? what happened to mina Savari? we don't know she Have okay seen her in anything i don't know if she's okay probably not mina colin mina blink twice <laughs> um i was wondering if okay if we're doing classes the moon is in the 12th house does that maybe lend itself to a little psychic Ooh. vibes probably i would say intuition right <laughs> a little psychic and that well and with the jupiter and scorpio there's just this like i know what's good and i know what's not but yes yeah. there is that no i love that this intuitive that kind of foresight, foresight is really something i really love that idea i um, love that yeah i love that turning down being an american beauty she knew she knew and when was that what year was american beauty God, like, American Beauty, I, I think, was 1999. Oh, oh, so that was Virgin Suicide's year. Yes. Okay. Yes, I see. Big. It was a um, big turning point. I happened. actually think her Venus is pretty psychic, just because Venus yeah. is in the eighth house, which is pretty psychic, and Venus is ruling her career house and her third house of self-expression. So, mm -hmm. so I, I think it that Venus is is uh, a, a big imagination. Antenna's so up. yeah. You know, then we have 2002, yeah. Spider-Man, 2004, Spider-Man 2, and Wimbledon. Oh, Wimbledon. <laughs> Lest we forget Wimbledon. <laughs> she has her Saturn square in Cancer, 2003 to 2005. I think this is a turning mm. point, which is, this is the time when she does Eternal Sunshine in Elizabethtown. And, and this, to me, is the time when the larger studio stuff is starting to bray on her. And this to me is kind of a foundational it girl time because during this time she's dating Jake Gyllenhaal. I oh. think she's probably getting discovered and exposed and seen. Like I, I feel like this Saturn square because it's in that 11th house of like network and community. This is when she's got the money and now maybe Sofia Coppola is like, we should work to like, I, I feel like this is the period when she's starting mm -hmm. to go to like the cool parties, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Totally. She's, I think one of the best moments that Kirsten Dunst has given us is the eating soup with Jake Gyllenhaal photo <laughs> where he's feeding her soup and she just looks, you just look at that photo and you're like, oh my God, so much is going on here. There's, <laughs> there's a story that I will never know. My sister and just- And I would give yeah. a leg to know what I would give the story is. Like, I would give my firstborn child to know what the story is. My sister's girlfriend is also a big astrology head and she was talking about, she's like, it really is, it really does feel, that's such a Taurus vibe, like feed me and also I'm going to give you nothing. Feed me soup, I'll give you nothing, we'll be photographed. I mean, it looks like she's been crying, but it yeah. also looks like Jake Gyllenhaal's are crying and he's just like, it's just an iconic series of photos. And, and it's amazing because Jake Gyllenhaal classically was up for Spider-Man and like they always- really? when, Yeah, and when Tobey Maguire hurt his back, I think in Spider-Man 2, they, they almost replaced him with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> so you can tell Kirsten Dunst is like, 
why do I have to go back to be with Toby? You know what I mean? She's like, right. why can't I be with you? Like, this is why? bullshit. And it's amazing because in the last episode we were talking about on when Barbara Streisand is on Alec Baldwin's podcast, there's a soup moment where, where her assistant brings them soup. And she's like, isn't it the best when it's so hot? Like, oh. it's so Taurus where it's like, Taurus just feed her. Just yeah. feed her. Just feed her. Oh, I love that. And being God in such a it. passive role, but it still feels like she's in charge she's of in the charge. whole soup scenario. Like she was running, the <laughs> yeah. she was calling the shots, even though she's it, being fed soup. I think, and it, I think that period is interesting. There's this transitional period in the 2000s, which is like Bush is president. She's probably been overexposed to fame. Like, yeah roles for women have completely imploded like right. the girl power era of the millennium has has been destroyed and dismantled so now she i think there's just this sense of like okay wanting a little freedom which i think 2006 we have marie antoinette which is mm, like right. there we go <laughs> yeah she it girl that. i think that's the it girl role like <laughs> yeah. all it girl roles yeah. <laughs> It's true. Well, and Virgin Suicides. I mean, she yeah. also intuitively decided to be in the only two good Sofia Coppola movies, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, it's a chicken, chicken egg situation. Right. Who made who? Right. Who made who? And Ooh, um, touche, touche. I forgot about Virgin <laughs> Suicides. Now you're totally right. That was an it girl that I watched that the other night. That is kind of the origin story of. She really is it an girls. original it girl. I think I put her in the original Google Doc we had. Uh, yeah, totally. she's kind of a, a chloe sevigny uh but she's more famous so people don't think she's in it you know it's not like she's the first no, person but... that comes to mind but she totally <laughs> is yeah she originated she originated it and, and it's true because like every interview with the vampire dick bring it on mm -hmm. and drop dead gorgeous are not there though bring it bring it okay drop dead gorgeous <laughs> and dick are satires like they're not yeah. really teen movies. They're like very funny, dark satires. Yeah. Bring It On is like much more of like a complex cult movie than like it gets credit for. Mm -hmm. And like Interview with a Vampire, it's like a serve one way or the other. <laughs> you know, like, it's a flash, yeah. It's a serve. So yeah, even with Virgin Suicides, it's like, oh, who is she? Like all of those roles leading up to Spider-Man, it's like, who, who is, is this girl? Who is she? <laughs> And to, do, to be doing more, I mean, Cameron Crowe is an indie, but like no one saw Elizabeth Town except for me. I'm sorry. Right, and, I saw and, it. Um, you did? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago though. Okay. Oh, well, in Eternal Sunshine, people forget she's even in that movie. Wait, wait. It's like, but to be doing the Michelle Gondry of it all at the same time as you're in Spider-Man, that's huge. And I think a lot of people also, maybe this is kind of, I don't know her Libra. I don't know where this would be astrologically, but she's balancing these crazy roles, and it almost feels like, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm gonna also then go at the same time and do, and do, do an indie. That to me is the Libra Mars. Okay. That's the Libra Ooh. Mars, which is yeah. Whoopi Goldberg saying, "I'm gonna host the View, but whenever I feel like screaming at someone, it's my prerogative." Like, there's yep. this aspect <laughs> with the Libra yeah. Mars of like. I can juggle this and yeah. I can like work well with anyone and like you'll love working with me on Spider-Man like I'll get along great with Sam Raimi but <laughs> there's this aspect of like my 
my individuality is going to fucking come out. Like you yeah. can't fully just bury me. You can't just like put me in roles. Like I need to make choices, which again goes with the Taurus, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just occurring to me. Maybe you pointed this out and I missed it, but it is just occurring to me that her Venus rules uh, the heaviest parts of her chart, um, which I did not clock until just now. It rules Libra and Taurus, that third mm-hmm. house and that tenth house, and there—that's why I'm like, okay, there's there's a, a a transformation that has to happen of her getting to own her own image and getting mm-hmm. to own her own. I, I don't know. There's something about the Venus passivity that I think she needs. She wants to reclaim. Oh, interesting. Of being an object, of being a cinematic object that she, I think, is always going to be fighting against, which is the, I I don't know. I think she works with auteurs and there's a part of her that wants to, that obviously is an auteur, but that aspect of like, I don't have to answer to anyone's idea of me, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that, we really do like live in a time that um rewards people for being like a jack of all trades mm-hmm. and I, I i wonder if there is a bit of a thing about kirsten dunst where she she is like an old classic movie star who's like yeah. okay i tried directing one for me she yeah. like work, you're right like she works with all these directors who really understand her and like give her these like beautiful roles and she's able to like embody all these different characters and never quite do the movie star thing of like eclipsing them but yeah. it always is a Kirsten Dunst character um and I think there's something very old-fashioned about that and I think now we really pride people for like being more literal in acting and playing themselves and like people are have like no comprehension for movies anymore like people read movies as like literal moral tales okay Uh, thank you you for this i was talking with my friend (laughs) lulu about this i was talking with my friend lulu about this yesterday about how like we were talking about promising young woman and she was like she was like when we grew up movies used to be about acting and about like the performance and now they're about like the message or the cause yeah you know yeah yeah Yeah. i know it's we went on a whole rant about i'm constantly ranting about promising young woman thank you i'm i'm like filled with venom about it filled with rage i can't explain it we do (laughs) well also it's interesting talking about like kind of anti-morality tales like (laughs) I I will make this claim and please anyone refute it but I do think that Kirsten Dunst led the cast of the last movie that really got away with being so problematic which was Bachelorette and it is a rock I'm sorry it's a rock it's so good (laughs) and it's Uh, I I watched it recently (laughs) and I was like whoa this really flew under the radar and no one canceled it but I mean my god okay it's hilarious I I truly (laughs) have never felt more seen because in 2000 when that movie came out i i watched it non-stop like i know every line and i recently sat down to rewatch it and i was like like this would not fly like this is savage wait i'm forgetting um, what's 
what are the because i saw it like a couple years ago but what's what are some parts in this that are well the entire um, movie is based around i'm sorry about this of, helicopter yeah, sorry we live in Los Angeles and it's a the entire movie is based on kind of the central theme <laughs> and joke that they really cash in on at every opportunity, which is that Rebel Wilson mm. is fat. Mm-hmm. Like every joke comes from that. That's right. Kind of. Um, and and like the idea is that like joke, the but... rich mean, it's kind of like the rich mean girls from all the high school movies who like yeah. get it in the end are like, it's them at age 30 refusing to change. And it's like a celebration of that, which is so incredible and cunty. And her main character is like unapologetic and triumphant. I just think there's like a severity to it that like now would be seen again as like cruel. Like I think it's liberating and it's a Leslie, it's I think it's like Leslie Headland's like- That's right. Masterpiece, but it's like, Ooh, yeah. It's like she's quite she has a few racist lines. Like it's yeah. it's really just like totally. totally unrestrained. But it does allow women to be kind of seen as Thank they you. are not allowed to be seen now, which is like as contradictory, Thank like you. self-contradictory figures. Like in the end, spoiler alert. Kirsten Dunst, all the girls end up being great friends and they put on this <laughs> wedding and they're like, and they kind of prevail as like, okay, they do have redeeming qualities. Like, I don't know, they're, they're complicated and it, it's not a morality tale. It's like, yeah, you can be a piece of shit and still come through and, and be that's... a good friend when it counts, <sighs> I guess. I don't know. It's like, yeah, they let them You're... be shitty and that's and great. like the the she has yeah. this sex scene with james marsden i think he's never been oh, sexier yeah. than in that movie but it's she has really this sex hot. scene with him where she's like she finds him repulsive she's bored yep. by him but he's also fucking her and she loves it and she's it's so funny yes. she's like harder <laughs> harder like she's yelling <laughs> at him and it's like so funny it's so yeah. her because I see it as very similar to like her bring it on drop dead gorgeous, which yes. is like, yeah, uh, there's like this kind of like bubbling rage within her that she gets to express. And like, I do think Leslie Headland gives all of those actresses the chance to like be really awful. And like yeah. the fact that that movie got compared with bridesmaids, I'm just like, no, it's because not to even me, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, totally different. My friend, because I hadn't watched it until like this week. I had never seen it before. And I watched it for the first time a few nights ago. And my friend Miles was like, you'll love it. It's like a play. And I was <laughs> like, is. oh it my is. God, you sold me. I, you it know is. that I will love it because it it's like a play. And it's so true. Um, and movies aren't like plays anymore. And, you know. And they're worse for it. They're worse okay. for it. You know, it's interesting because her Saturn return is 2009 through 2012. Her Saturn mm-hmm. return was in Libra in that third house. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think her Saturn return is a turning point because in 2008, after Spider-Man 3 came out, she went into treatment for depression. And yeah. then that Saturn return starts this new phase, which is, yes, her screenwriting and directing debut bastard. She did all good things with Ryan Gosling, a oh, film oh no one God. has ever seen. I wow. have seen it. It's not about really? Robert Durst. It's about Robert Durst. Yep. Killed them all, of course. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
Which again, speaking of her being ahead of her time, she's like, in six years, you're all going to be obsessed with Robert Durst and I'm going to do an indie movie now. Exactly about, like, now. Iconic. And no one's going to see it. No one's going to see it until six years from now and then you'll be sorry. And then in that Saturn Return, you know, she does 2011 is Melancholia, 2012 is oh. Bachelorette and On the Road where she meets her four-year boyfriend, Garrett Headland. Okay, um, weirdest. Hot. Hot. But okay, this is weird, a, this was weird. one of my big swings that I think is probably not true. And it's maybe libelous. I don't know. But I was like, this chart to me just like smacks of a little alcohol. Mm. Just oh, like has well, a the whiff. Neptune, the Neptune squares with Mars and Venus, babe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're like, there it is. <laughs> babe, there it is. And Garrett Hedlund <laughs> to me, I think notorious person who drinks a lot he's got alcohol puffiness he's got okay. sure this is something like oh, this is emma roberts's baby daddy now and Whoa. you know i guess so wow damn. oh okay. so definitely this is the person i didn't know who it was okay i didn't know she wasn't with evan peters so thank you for telling me that oh, oh god. <laughs> god i wish i could tell the stories that i know about evan peters but i literally <laughs> oh i'm so sorry to tease you guys like tune that. into the patreon tune into the patreon, i guess yeah. i'll be there um, okay so garrett headland alcohol bloat I, and so i don't know i just am like Maybe that was rehab. And I know that she said that it wasn't. She said it was not drugs and alcohol. I believe she said her. It was just depression, right? But it's definitely, but I, I think of Garrett Hedlund and also the collaboration with Lars von Trier as her just like, okay, I'm done with like, yeah for sure and it's such a re it's you know again that saturn and libra is so much about this like harmonious well-oiled machine system mm. and this is this moment i really i mean the idea of doing a movie i think it's and it i, I think it's known as one of the all-time greatest portrayals of depression yeah. and like i just think melancholia she was like okay i'm taking i'm walking into a whole new realm yeah. And there was this reclamation, but it's tricky because I, I I still don't I still don't think she gets the recognition. Um yeah. because no. yes, after that Saturn return in 2015, she does Fargo. Mm -hmm. 2017, she does Beguiled, she does the movie with the Road Dark creators. But okay. I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? right. But it's but it, it's I weird. Think. It's like she there's just something strange there there's like something she happened. walked away from the system a little bit but she still is I, I don't know I, i'm curious what you feel about the last decade it's funny now that you put now that hearing that all together it is a bit like what what happened what happened because on being a god didn't really get i think the no. she's so nothing really happened i mean it's I haven't seen it. I've heard only good things, but it feels like she did a lot of like stopping and starting after Melancholia. Yeah. Mm, and and Fargo is a tour de force and she did mm -hmm. meet her current this baby daddy, Jesse Plemons, which- Oh, I love that. Okay. Um, and, and it is a <laughs> tour de force, work. but there was- Yeah, honestly, it is honestly, kind of a sleigh actually. Yes. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, Garrett Hedlund, Jesse Plemons. Jesse like, Plemons. Touché. I love it. Touché. <laughs> There's just this weird aspect of stopping and starting, and there's this sense, I don't know, I just get this sense that, like, she knows how to play the game, and she's, like, doing everything she can not to get sucked back in, mm. and 
I don't know. There was something even with the beguile that didn't feel. It was like, come, come on. And yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer has this too. Every year mm-hmm. when Michelle Pfeiffer does a movie, they're like, oh my God, it's her big comeback. Maybe this is the year she's going to get her Oscar. And it doesn't ever happen, which I kind of love. But I don't know. There's this interesting thing with the two of them where it's like, I, I don't really know what to make of it. That is interesting. Mm. I mean, okay, I'm trying to, now I'm trying to figure out like what, I can't do this math in my head. I'm like, where is she? Where is she now? Like what perfection year is she in? Like, what's the deal? So I'm like, I just feel like she's settling down. She might be. She's having babies. She's having babies. So she is 38, 38, which would put her, fuck, let me see. Um, so can you just explain what perfections are for our uh, dear listeners? Um, I, I don't, I can, <laughs> I can try my best. I think it's, um, it's like the, it, it moves from the rising sign. Um, okay. Wow. I really can't explain. Every year af- based on your birthday, every year is defined by a different astrological house. Thank you. Yes. So Kirsten Dunst at age, Whoa. currently at age 38, but she's about to turn 39. So let's just start with, because uh, her birthday is April 30th. Hello. So uh, her fourth house year, she's entering her fourth house year. So, okay. which is interesting for a lot of reasons, because her fourth house is Sagittarius and her fourth house is home to Uranus. What's going on for her during this birthday, which I mean to say late April and early May, uh like all tauruses uh uranus is currently moving through taurus uranus is the planet of change revolution queerness freedom upheaval um Mm -hmm. and she is having uranus late april and early may exactly conjunct her son which is a once in a lifetime transit and it's a fourth house perfection year which is activating her uranus and it's activating her jupiter and scorpio I get a sense. (laughs) Yeah. To me, I think we're at a big turning point. Uh, Tell me, I'm sorry. She just got pregnant again, right? Which I psychically predicted. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. You did. What what was your I feel like you're about to say what the what you your hunch was. I think we're at a big turning point of like her not giving a fuck. Like I think I think the last decade was her negotiating, like, how do I do this? How do I, how do I get to make choices and be free while still being in this world? And I think the next we're entering a new phase, which is, okay, I'm an artist. I'm a fucking Taurus. I know what I'm doing and this is what I want. And so that's what I hope at least. I mean, she's always been that she's always made those choices. It's not like she's ever been inauthentic, but I think her Torian freedom is about to get really unleashed and this sense of like, like maybe she's going to start producing more. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Wow. Yeah, okay. And I'm fascinated. I because also I'm thinking mine would be um, she would be in a Scorpio. So it would be a for me, like the whole sign houses thing, she would be a, her fourth house would be Scorpio. Mm, and that's Mars amazing. ruled. Like what's Mars up to? It's moving into Cancer. That not that her North node in Cancer? 
Mm-hmm. Her North Node's in Cancer in her 11th house of network. So that's amazing okay, so too. That's interesting. And because she has that Jupiter opposing her sun uh, in Scorpio. Mm. So there's a, a, a again, there. I agree. There's this huge theme of like, this is what I want. And this is the, the Jupiter in Scorpio, I think is so much about authenticity and like, oh, interesting. okay, yeah. enough bullshit. And that 11th house is so much about like, these are my collaborators and this is how it's going to be from now on. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I love, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, I'm just curious about like your predictions or, or what, what you are wanting for her next. I just got oh, a vision. Yes. Well, oh, she got <laughs> okay. a download. I got a vision. I got a download. I just got a download. And not that, I mean, I don't know, for some reason, I just envisioned her like doing a really iconic horror, like kind oh of an God. Ari Aster, like a tourist. Oh, that would be so comment. great. I don't know why, but I think that would be iconic. And I just had that. Image. She has so much horror in her chart to me. Right. Like, I think she, I think that her, like spooky, spooky stuff. Like, uh, God, I'm so sorry. What's her name? Um, her Tony Collette. Tony, Tony Collette. Collette. When Tony Collette yes. got to kind of reprise her Sixth Sense moment and do the what movie that is well, hereditary. Another sort that of horror, like, it was, it felt like such a fulfillment you know and it was like this huge moment and it was like wow she's really not making a comeback but like damn we forgot how i and tony collette she books she books books, and yet she is kind of a kirsten dunce where i feel like people who know really know yeah but she's not someone where you're like tony collette and they're like yeah i'm with you she's a more niche (laughs) but she's constantly booking so i think i would love if if kiki could take on some of that and like I do want to say with the horror, I think you're right on because, by the way, what I love about Kirsten Dunst is the violence. Like, Drop Dead Gorgeous and Bring It On are very jacked up. Like, (laughs) you know, my favorite era of film is pre, like, immediately pre Y2K and pre George Bush, which is like Josie and the Pussycat, Sugar Mm. and Spice, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Bring It On, which are these, like, very explosive, (laughs) like, jacked up, violent, like, hyper, just hyper everything movies. And Mm. she is an avatar of that. And I think that's very much in her chart. And I think that's very much the role she played, which is she wasn't the depressive grunge 90s girl. She was like Alicia Silverstone with this like explosive aspect to her. And that's in Bachelorette too, you know? Yes, totally. She does have such a good angry face. Yeah. It's so like Bachelorette. I was like, I don't want to, I would not want to be in a within 15 feet of this oh no person. she's scary I'm and i terrified. think exactly what you said about melancholia being like the perf like the eighth house film <laughs> kind of thing yes. it's like she's so good in that her boobs look incredible she's the best tits in hollywood i'm sorry oh Let's just say it right now oh also, spider-man in the rain good god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um another thing that feels very venus in the eighth house for me and i just we can't we can't miss this she went to Catholic school and <laughs> moreover, she went to my Catholic school. Oh, we right. went to the oh, same man. high school. And there's something so Venus in the eighth house to me about going to Catholic school. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. 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 It's, Please unpack this for me. The but eighth house there. is very much about, um, the the eighth house and this is also her jupiter and scorpio by the way the, mm-hmm. and it is this association with 
birth, death, and the kind of fundamental cruel truths of life, mm. um, which is very Catholic to me. This kind of fixation <laughs> so on death as the end mm-hmm. game. And it's interesting again mm. with Michelle Pfeiffer, like Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, who dies constantly in her films, uh-huh. um, which is like a big issue I have with the latest movie she was in. But Michelle Pfeiffer always perishes or, you know, with, with Catwoman <laughs> specifically dies and come, comes back. But there yeah. is something very oh, Catholic. And like, if, if you think about like um, Dangerous Liaisons, Michelle Pfeiffer, and then if you think about Kirsten Dunst, also like, yeah, they're, they're, no, the Catholic thing is very much there. They're, they're, which makes Marie Antoinette even more iconoclastic because she's like Marie Antoinette is like the anti-Catholic movie. Yeah. Like Marie Antoinette is like a movie where nothing happens and there's almost no consequences until obviously the very end, uh, which has kind of more of a Thelma and Louise ending though, because you don't see her get beheaded. Right. Right. True. There's also just the Venus aspect of Catholicism where it's like so much of it is about, adornment and like oh. beautiful spaces like that's wow. what i like catholics better than christians i'm sorry like christians are a little creepy to me whereas like catholics sure. i'm like i kind of get it it's more about obligation it's, it's drama it's theater it's robert maplethorpe an, uh, maplethorpe it's absolutely gay it's absolutely a church covered in you know stained glass like it's visual and beautiful and that's kind of all they care about and it's like <laughs> obviously has the a saints. very dark it has, has a cast it has darkness obviously <laughs> ensemble drama and i won't endorse the catholic church by any means because you know they're problematic and horrible and abusive but the ideas there are a little bit more accessible than just like we love jesus yeah. kind of like less about like i agree i agree we love jesus and it's more about like um ritual yes which feels which like Venusian to me yeah and theater mm-hmm. it's interesting maybe she'll do theater and there's a rebellion yes. oh maybe she'll do theater but you know her mars and libra icon. which is opposing that venus it's interesting because to me there's this aspect of that catholic punished venusian thing and then Mm -hmm. when we think about libra at you know venus rules libra libra is the sign of beauty and harmony and her mars is like okay i'm gonna play a cheerleader but i'm actually going to be like kind of a psycho like kind of insane yeah (laughs) and and there's this aspect of like things that are beautiful i mean melancholia the, the plot of melancholia is that she's never looked hotter. She looks stunning. (laughs) She's having the most unbelievable destination wedding to Alexander Skarsgård. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna burn this down. And (laughs) that's the Mars and Libra opposing the Venus and Pisces of like, I need to fuck this up. You know, like that there's this subversion there that I think is so incredible. And even Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is ostensibly a movie about a beauty pageant, but is actually about like terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> yup, yup. It's like, yeah. It, it, it's incre- it's just Good, incredible. Uh, uh, <laughs> Denise Richards is iconic in that movie too. Right, and she can go against Denise Richards. Like yeah. they have that incredible fight scene and it's like, oh yeah. fuck, like, She's not just like that blonde girl, you know? No, She's actually no. like 
here to like wreck shit and and i yeah. love the catholic the catholicism aspect of like this this aspect of like the hollywood star as a martyr and yeah. and this hollywood star is this like stained glass object and she is yeah. that stained glass but she yeah. also wants to throw a rock through it you know wow that's so yes. beautiful <laughs> yes i love that okay so maybe she'll do a play in a church yeah. in a church <laughs> or like a horror kind of a catholic horror movie yes. kirsten do a play in a church kind of like a historical like catholic horror movie you know we maybe we have to write it i mean maybe it's it? up to us i don't know why we have to do maybe everything sure but yeah she needs her patrons on our soldier she uh, does soldiers <laughs> <laughs> she does need her patrons and if that has to be yes then I am always I'll saying we it. need to bring up theater. <laughs> I'm always saying. I'm like, who's to have a girl in LA saying us. that we need to bring back theater <laughs> is is really, you know, now I've heard it all. Um. Thank you. Well, it's because we Thank don't so have much. that much over here that I know of. No, there's nothing happening. No, here. certainly not. Unless you count the second city. <laughs> Unless you count, you, no, what's it called? Upright Citizens Brigade. I almost said United <laughs> Citizens Brigade. Oh Citizens my United. god! Citizens United Brigade. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so I feel really good. I feel like really. I feel like we've opened a lot of doors, and I, um, I feel really. I feel like we haven't even accessed half of it, but I, I'm really. I feel really pleased with with what we've covered. Um, so I guess, are there any clo closing thoughts you want to share on, on the work, the legacy, the life, all of it? Well, she's a Bernie bro, which we love. We do love. We love that. She's on the right side of history in that <laughs> Yet again. Yet again. Oh, something I had a passing thought and I wanted to confirm this with the group. Was she like one of the first Manic Pixie dream girls too with Elizabeth Town? Fuck. And with, and I mean, Virgin Suicides, isn't that Manic Pixie? Oh, it really is. I think she certainly, yeah. I mean, I'd love to, you probably know more about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but. For me, it, I'm trying I, to trace like it back. There's like an annoying connotation with like, aren't Manic Pixie Dream well, Girls kind of annoying? I think, well, but I think she really did it. I think she was like one of the first oh, who I was see. really playing that role before it became, you know, an overused botched. trope. Yeah. Botched. I feel like it became botched. annoying when Deschanel like Zach Braff, exactly, like <laughs> Zach, Zach Braff and Zoe Deschanel, like yeah. as we yeah. headed into like the two brunette. second. State. Botched it. Yeah, like second term Bush and then like, uh, yeah first term obama is when it went way overboard but i, mean, I think when, when she did it illusions about the world really unraveled right exactly. I, I do appreciate that you've been breaking into um presidential terms because that Always. is also how that's we what we do <laughs> that's what we do everything is about 9 11 for me like everything. It, oh, so, my <laughs> oh my god us too wow. <laughs> love that um no i do think she I, I would absolutely support that i think she invented the she is one of the uh originals of that mm -hmm. of that um i think with her she is a true one because with her there is like a vagina dentata aspect which is once you unpeel <gasps> yes. the mystery there's like a real there is a darkness there is that catholic death i mean very virgin suicides there is this kind of like um, this. voice there there you know there's something yeah. behind the curtain that's not what you expected which is very venus and furs but so so she couldn't really fit into the zach braff uh zoe deschanel no she would bring too much depth to it 
Yeah. Exactly. Which is also kind of the plot of, uh, in some ways, Melancholia, which is like Alexander Skarsgård thinks he's caught one and then he realizes, oh, this is what a real manic pixie dream girl is. She's bipolar. And, and you she's know? so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I That was something else I was thinking is I was like, Kirsten Dunst has, I feel like all of her characters have really, it's almost like different versions of the same person. Like I can see melancholia being sort of a grown-up version of the bring it on. And that's a movie star. And that's a movie star. star. Like another Taurus is Shirley MacLaine. And that's what Mm. Shirley MacLaine does, which is Mm -hmm. like, this is a Shirley MacLaine performance. Yes. Again, unlike Mm. promising young woman, which okay, but (laughs) generally there I like that idea that there's a progression. It matures. She matures. Yeah, and I hope she she matures. Like, I hope we get to keep seeing more. Um, Okay, where can, obviously, everyone should listen to the It Girl Theory podcast and uh, become patrons of the Patreon. (laughs) And where else can people be following the the word? You can follow our Instagram, which is at It Girl Theory. Yep. Um, Patreon.com slash It Girl Theory for all behind the scenes and extra content. And special episodes, not it episodes. Our promising young woman episode Coming will be posted up. there. <laughs> Liter- I'm like, like, like taking Don't my credit it. card out. I'm like, I'll make a donation. Okay, um, great. <laughs> I think Donate to us. That's it, right? Is that that's all our platforms? Yeah, at at April Theory on Instagram. Yeah, at April Theory everywhere. Okay. Um, as always, I have been David Odyssey. Um, you can. You know the drill. If you want to book a reading with me, you know, I'm not going through this again. Um, but all, all my listeners, you get it. Thank you for being here. And um, really, this was like kind of my dream come true. So I'm so grateful. This for was so much this. fun. This was Thank the you so much for asking I'm us. So happy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Consulting producer Carly Hugendijk. Art by Greg Kozitek and music by Henry Kapersky. To book a reading, tarot, or astrology with me, David Odyssey, you can email me, adavidodyssey at gmail.com, or DM me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share, rate, subscribe, etc. See you next Tuesday. Mwah.